Good morning once again. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Amos chapter 4. Amos chapter number 4. What a week it's been. Amen. Have you had one of those weeks like I have where you just feel like you like you're just spiritually and emotionally drained? I need your prayers this morning. Never singing those songs, holy, 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 to God be the glory and worthy of worship. Uh Am I ever more reminded that I don't deserve the privilege of standing before you? I don't deserve the privilege of really even being called a child of God. But it's by his grace and his mercy that he has saved us and called us to the positions and places of service that he has called us to. Amos chapter 4, begin with verse number 1. If you're able, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're working our way through the book of Amos. We're going to look at chapter 4 this morning. In verse number 1, the Word of God says, Hear this word, ye kind of Bashan, that are in the mountain of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring, and let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks, and your posterity with fish hooks. And ye shall go out at the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal multiply transgression. And bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. And offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. And proclaim and publish the free offerings. For this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and want of bread in all your palaces. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. And also I have withholden the rain from you, when there were yet there uh, three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another city. One piece was rained upon, and the piece whereupon it rained not withered. So two or three cities wandered unto one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew, when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmer wood, uh, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet ye have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. Your young men have I slain with the sword, and have taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up unto your nostrils. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. 
I am overcome, some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were as a firebrand plucked out of the burning. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. For lo, he that formeth the mountains and createth the winds, and declareth unto man what is his thought, and maketh the morning darkness, and treadeth upon the high places, the Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Pray with me. Father, as your word has been read, I pray that it do just what it intends to do. Lord, convict hearts this morning. Convict hearts of sin that is in their life. Lord, convict hearts of uh, their need for repentance and turning to you. Father, if there's one among us that's lost, convict their heart of their, their desperate need for a Savior. Father, I pray that you have your will and way done. Lord God, hide me behind the cross. Lord, fill me and anoint me with your spirit that I may preach as a dying man to dying people. Lord, speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we looked at Amos chapter 3 and as we looked at Amos chapter 3 uh, we talked about privilege. And we talked about the privilege that the children of Israel had uh, by knowing God. By knowing the one true God that he had given them the privilege of knowing the, the law and, and the sacrifices and, and how that he had had a personal relationship with them. And, and he actually even cared for them we learned that word no means. This morning as we look at chapter 4, as he closed chapter 3, he was rebuking them for their uh, failure to repent, failure to turn from their idolatry, from their wicked ways. And now in chapter 4, as we have read, he begins to go deeper into their sin. He begins to point out more of their sin. And this is a sin in which I believe that we can all say that we are have been guilty of in the past. And in most Baptist churches, this is a prevalent sin that is constant. And that is the sin of selfishness. That is the title of this message this morning. The sin of selfishness. As we look at this passage, we're going to see that uh, the people of God here, the children of Israel, they were involved with selfishness. They were involved in just taking things for themselves. Never regarding anything of God. And they were selfish people. And God, because of that sin, declares judgment upon them. So as we look at this, I want us to notice four things. Number one, we're going to notice a provoking accusation in verses 1 through 3. And number two, we're going to see a sarcastic invitation in verses 4 and 5. Number three, we'll see a devastating chastening in verses 6 through 11. And then a, number four, we'll see a frightening command in verses 12 and 13. So let's look at verses 1 through 3 right now. And as we look at this, I would say that this is a provoking accusation. In verse number 1, he, he begins it once again as he began chapter 3, verse number 1, where he says, Hear 
this word. This is the word of God saying, uh, speaking to you, Israel. So you need to hear what is being said. Never in a day in which we live, never has there been a day where we need to begin hearing. And listen to me. We don't just need to hear the word of God, but we need to heed the word of God. And we need to put into practice what the word of God says in our lives. Because as we'll see, that if we don't, God will chastise and God will judge. So he is calling out to Israel at this time. He says, hear this word. And now how does he address them? I believe he's, when he's doing this, he's talking to maybe some rich women, maybe some uh, more prevalent people in the church or in the, the nation, rulers or what have you. But we can honestly say that he is speaking to an upper class group of people. And he addresses them. He says, hear this word. Listen, ye kind of Bashan. Now, the word kind, when the King James Version was, was first translated, the, uh, we were, the English language is, uh, really has more in common with uh, Germanic language. And so uh, you, see, you see kind of the, the way the words shape. And so when he says kind, we would say cow today. So he is addressing these people as you cows of Bashan. Bashan was a place in Samaria that, uh, in the mountains of Samaria, that was really lush and gardenous. If that's the word gardenous, I don't know. I just make up words as I go sometimes. But there was just this this lush fields out there. They and and green grass and and all the uh, things that uh, to to make a cow fat and happy. Bashan had it. And so as he addresses them, he says, You cows of Bashan that are uh, in the mountains of Samaria. He's addressing them as cows. Now, you say, why would he address them as cows? Um, never had cows growing up. We had horses, and uh, my, my uncle was a, a trained racehorses. But our, our next-door neighbor, uh, Mr. Holtz, he, he, uh, he had a bunch of cows. And, I, and he had these lush, beautiful fields. Uh, right beside us and, and we could look out there and, and the, the only thing I remember ever seeing these cows do was just graze in the field they didn't have a care in the world and they were just out in the field and they would they could just eat and eat and eat until their heart was content so he addresses these people he says you cows of Bashan he says, you were just, he says, you were enjoying this lush garden. You were enjoying this lush, beautiful green field. He says, and all you're doing is just grazing in it. But really, as we look further into verse number one, we see they're doing more than grazing. And we'll actually see that these people are worse than cows. He says in verse number one, he says, you kind of a shan that are in the mountains of Samaria, listen, which oppress the poor which crush the needy, which say to their masters, bring and let us drink. One thing I didn't notice about the cows out in the field is they weren't very oppressive animals. Now we had, they had, he had some bulls that were out there and, and of course we know bulls, they, they can get mean, but, but really the cows, they're just going to graze. And if something gets in their way, they're just kind of move to the side and, and not worry about it. But this speaks of 
cows grazing in a field, but crushing people and oppressing people to get just what they want, to get what they need. They are a very oppressive group of people that are oppressing the poor, crushing the needy. And then even, they're not even happy with that. And they say to their masters, and some believe that he's speaking to prominent women and the masters would be their husbands. So they're saying to their uh, possible husbands would say to their masters, bring and let us drink. The picture I get here is these uh, women that, that stay home 24-7. Their, their husbands are out busting their, their backs to, uh, to provide food for them. And, and when they get home, the, the house is in a mess. The, the wives have been sitting at home watching soap operas eating bonbons, not doing the dishes, not worrying about any of that mess. The, the, the kids are filthy and dirty. And when the husbands come home, the wives, instead of saying, hey, honey, I know you've had a hard day. Let me help you out and do something. But instead of doing that, they say, hey, I know you've had a hard day. Can you go to the fridge and get me something to eat? Can you go to the kitchen and fix me some uh, so, some food. I'm not wanting to do anything. I haven't done anything all day and I don't intend on doing anything all day. Can you do this for me? They were a selfish group of people. They crushed the needy, oppressed the poor, demanding that stuff be brought to them. They're very selfish people what a provoking accusation couldn't you imagine a preacher coming into a uh, to a church and and if he is speaking to women couldn't you imagine the preacher showing up at a at a WMU meeting showing up to the ladies pajama party yesterday and just begin preaching saying you cows of Bashan I tell you one thing I know this. Amos wasn't afraid of being politically incorrect. When he saw sin, he called it sin, and he pointed it out, not caring what the chips or where the chips may fall. He had a message from God. And so when it came to preaching the word of God, he calls them out. He says, you cows of Bashan, you are worse than cows. You are actually even stepping on people, oppressing people to get what you need. So he says in verse number two, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. We just sing about the holiness of God. There's nothing else greater than what God could swear by then his holiness. He says the Lord God has sworn by his holiness, by his distinctiveness, by his separateness. There is none like our God. Amen. And so he is calling out. He says the Lord God has sworn by his holiness that lo, the day shall come upon you that he will take. Listen, he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. In other words, he's saying when the Lord God comes, the Lord has sworn that he is going to drag you into judgment as easy as a fisherman drags a fish into his boat. It's going to be just that simple. He says, you shall go out in the breaches, every cow at that which is before her, and you shall be cast into the palace, saith the Lord. Dragged out. Judgment. That's what is coming. Why? Because of the selfish nature of the people. 
Surely we don't have that in churches today. I heard one preacher preach a sermon a while back. He titled it Welfare Christians or Welfare Christianity. And the point of it was, he said, we've got a lot of people in churches that are coming into churches and they're enjoying the benefits of church membership. They're enjoying the, the, the electricity. They're enjoying the air conditioning. They're enjoying the padded pews. But yet they don't ever contribute anything else. They're basically living off other people's tithes and offerings. Living off other people's service. And they're there for one reason. They say, serve me. People coming to churches could tell you how many times in just the three years I've been here had several people come in off the street. Can you help me with this? I promise I'll be back to church. Can you give me a little bit of money for this, a little bit of money for that? And of course we do. We're benevolent people. We believe that we ought to give. But need I remind us of this? The church is to be servants. But we're not to be servants just for random things. Or let me say it like this. You're to serve the person next to you. Don't come into church expecting to get service when you're not putting service out there. We don't mind serving other people. But folks, we're not a welfare society. We're not a place where you can just think that everything revolves around you. We serve each other. This is a provoking accusation. People coming to church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, uh, and they graze. And they graze. And they take in what the church has to offer, never putting anything back. Never giving anything back. Churches today have a me, me, me mentality. When in actuality, the church is a community and we serve each other. So this is a provoking accusation. These people are selfish. These people are wanting just their own desires fulfilled. And so as we have seen this provoking accusation, next we see this sarcastic invitation. In verse number 4, he says, Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. 
and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish the free offerings for this liketh you, O ye children of Israel, saith the Lord God. Now what does he mean? He says, come to Bethel and transgress. Obviously we can say that this is a, a biting sarcasm coming from the prophet speaking for God. We know that God's not going to invite people to literally uh, sin. He's not going to open it up and say, all right, just go ahead and sin, do what you want to do. This is a sarcastic invitation. Why? Because he said, come to Bethel. Come to Gilgal. And when you come here, he says, you are in a sense sinning. Because first of all, you're not to worship at Bethel or Gilgal. You're to worship in Jerusalem. But because of Jeroboam II setting up this worship, every time you come here, it is a sin for you to worship. It is a sin because first of all, you're not worshiping in the right place. You might be worshiping in the right manner, but it's not at the right place. And you're worshiping with sin in your hearts. You're worshiping when your heart is not right with God. That's the biggest fault we have in churches today. People come into worship and people come in to, uh, to the services, but their heart isn't right with God. People think they can, they can live in sin. They can be selfish and live in sin. And coming to worship week after week and think that their worshiping is getting past the ceiling. Folks, I've got news for you. That's not the case. When you come into worship God with a heart that is hardened and a heart that is uh not truly seeking God. You are not worshiping God. So this sarcastic invitation has come. He says come to Bethel and transgress. Gilgal multiply transgression. And bring your sacrifices every morning. And your tithes after three years. Now as we look at this. He's actually saying that they're. They got the motions of worship right. And according to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 28, uh, the tithes after three years, that was standard. They, they were commanded to do that. And verse number 5, they were to offer sacrifices uh, of thanksgiving uh, with leaven even, uh, according to uh, Leviticus chapter 6. They could have leaven in a portion of their thanksgiving offering. So they really, they had worship down, but their heart just wasn't right with God. Could you imagine? And it happens week after week. A person coming in to worship Sunday after Sunday. And because they were brought up in church, and because they know what to say and they know what to do they know that they're to give their offerings when the plate goes by they know that they were to follow uh, the commandment of baptism they know that they're to be church members they know that they're to be in, in, in worship when the doors are open they know these things they know that they're to 
to be discipled through Sunday school and, and the preaching of the Word. They know that they're to even be benevolent and even give selflessly. And they do all these things. And people look at them and they think, man, that is a good church member. They do all the things right. They say all the things right. But when it boils down to it and they enter into the worship service of the church, they are in effect sinning because their heart is not right with God. The invitation is given, the sarcastic invitation is given, come to Bethel and transgress. Gilgal, multiply their transgressions. This morning I give you an invitation. You're in Bethel. You're in the house of God with the people of God. But don't just come to the house of God. This morning I am inviting you to come directly to God. To come to God. And and the way you do that is you come to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. For he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You come to God through through faith in Christ. And you know what he does with those sins, with those transgressions? He washes them clean. He forgives you of those. And then you have a new life that you can begin truly worshiping God. He is a holy God and He demands His people be holy. But yet we can't do that without first getting our sins washed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that Romans 5, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Could that be said of you this morning? Could that be said of you that you've been selfish? You've been living for your own selfish desires and lusts not worrying about God by the way when you live for yourself you are putting yourself in the place of God we should be living for God worshiping him serving him this morning I ask you who are you going to serve are you going to serve yourself are you going to serve God Joshua put it like this. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This morning, who are you going to serve? You can't serve two masters. You must choose one. So we stand to our feet for our hymn of response. Pray with me. 
Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I hope you'll join us again next time with Rick Clark Ministries.